0: This is a podcast from the Business Times.
1: It's beginning to look a lot like something, but for sure the end of a year, which many are happy to see the back of, markets still exhibit a lot of volatility, thanks to inflation and rising interest rates. And although 2022 started on quite a positive note, the clouds rolled in pretty quickly. So let's hope 2023 treats our portfolios better, but it's looking like it'll be another year of uncertainty as headwinds continue. So, how can we fortify our investments? What'll be good to look into in 2023? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money managing and wealth growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. And helping us out today is Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist at DBS's Chief Investment Office. Daryl, always good to speak to you.
0: Hey, Howie. Good to be back.
1: So do you think we'll see whiplash, though, in 2023, as, say, the dominant market trends from 2022 reverse themselves? Some people are saying, you know, resilient growth, high inflation, hawkish policy.
0: I guess this presupposes that there would be some form of dramatic reversal come 2023. But I feel the investing world is never this clear-cut, right? So what has been communicated so far at least, is that the US Fed is no longer keen to hike rates as aggressively as before, but investors need to know that a smaller pace of hikes implies that the interest rate trajectory is still pointing upwards, and therefore it is likely that 2023 would start to reveal a bit of the lagged effects of such higher interest rates on the real economy, which is why there is such a strong expectation for recessionary conditions to hit next year. So while we don't anticipate a quick reversal of fortunes, we do think that fixed income is starting to look attractive for 2023 given the high yields offered in good quality bonds and it's going to be a strong recessionary hedge in any potential economic downturn.
1: So what else took a beating in 2022, you think, and maybe is expected to make a comeback in 2023?
0: Bonds are definitely expected to make a comeback in 2023. I think one of the beatings, you were talking about beatings, right, it was really a conceptual beating in what we call the 60-40 portfolio, where 60-40 means it's a traditional mix of 60% equities, 40% bonds. And this balanced portfolio saw the worst drawdown, something like the worst drawdown in the last 100 years because both bonds and equities became highly correlated in their returns and they fell by nearly the same magnitude. Now that the yields have adjusted upwards and very meaningfully upwards, we believe that this 60-40 portfolio concept is going to make a comeback. And meaning that now bonds would offer more diversification benefits with yields at more normalized levels. So the other market that really took a beating was China equities, right? And I do believe there are certain catalysts that are in place for a comeback next year. So firstly, valuations are compelling. The forward P-E ratio of China equities in general are around 11 times, and this is close to one standard deviation low from its longer-term historical mean. Right? Secondly, investor positioning in China is still quite light, and this is a technical supportive factor. Given that a lot of fear-driven outflows have resulted in China allocations being underweight to their benchmarks, so if there is any form of recovery, there would be a need for short covering and flows would reverse, and this would be supportive of the market in general. And thirdly, I think it's quite clear, if you've been following uh, what's been playing out, is that China is trying to gradually exit from their COVID-0 policy. And so the upshot is that we have seen this play out in the rest of the world already, in the US, in Europe, and even in Singapore, where consumers all emerge from lockdown with the mindset of revenge spending. So seeing this play happen before helps us to be able to anticipate what might happen, And it bodes well for segments that would benefit from domestic consumption. For this reason, we do believe that China A shares in particular will see a lot of tailwinds, just like all these other markets in the US and Europe and Singapore that also experienced a recovery trade back when we were first moving out of lockdown.
1: Great. So now not only do we need to pay close attention to the economy, legislative and regulatory policy, corporate earnings and valuations, what's happening in different geographies as well, that's a lot is there just one thing we can zero in on
0: Yeah you know how we um you know as investors we often like to seek deliberate simplification because our minds simply cannot synthesize so much concurrent information to come to a concrete conclusion right so I think this is why the market often zeroes in, if you're talking about one particular point. They zero in on Fed policy as that one factor, given that central banks and monetary policy are said to be the only game in town. And this is not wrong, seeing as how the rate hikes this year have caused so much volatility. It is not wrong for investors to actually fear the Fed and try to read the tea leaves for potential policy shifts.
1: Come on now, preempting the Fed is not easy and even the best find it challenging. Surely there's a simpler thing we can concentrate on.
0: So if you're talking about zeroing in on something simple, we prefer to zero in on longer-term portfolio strategies like the barbell construct that we constantly speak about, right? So the barbell construct has companies angled towards secular growth trends in one half of the portfolio, and companies or instruments or assets that are income generators on the other end, like dividend stocks, bonds. And this helps to balance the portfolio that will ride through all sorts of uncertainty that you may be concerned of as an investor. And by doing this and constructing a portfolio this way, I think this takes away the investor's focus from the volatile sentiment changes and all these other myriad forces that might be confusing us. And it really refocuses the investor on long-term irreversible trends that will give favorable results over a longer time horizon.
1: Okay, so the 60-40 strategy took a beating, (laughs) but you're saying it's looking attractive for 2023? Mm. And then there's the barbell construct, which means being flexible is important, right, to successful investing?
0: Yeah, so flexibility is really important right now, especially when you are entering a phase where risk assets are moving as volatile as they are. I think flexibility implies that investors need to let evolving facts inform them of their decision-making and not be too dogmatic to certain principles or certain truisms that they're comfortable with and move away from some unconscious biases that may lead them towards decisions that are not always optimal in the long run. More than ever, with such volatility, it is useful for an investor to always ask themselves the premise of their investing consideration. Does it still stand? Have the facts changed? And if they have changed, maybe it's time to readjust. So I think this matters as well. So there is an avenue where you have to adapt to the changes. But as a core construct, a bubble portfolio strategy, I think it's a good overview to simplify and take away the noise to be able to craft your portfolio correctly, but also have the minute adjustments needed if necessary when information changes as the days of investing go by.
1: Still to come the investment lesson from 2022, and how much will Singapore's economy affect how you invest? Partnering you on your wealth and investment journey. Bringing you insights to make well-timed
0: market moves.
1: Sharing actionable personal financial tips. Helping you protect and grow your wealth.
0: Analyzing Singapore's market trends and corporate issues. Supporting you through your Singapore property journey.
1: Insights from your trusted partner, the Business Times Podcasts. Are you listening?
0: And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times.
1: We're speaking with Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist at DBS's Chief Investment Office. Here's the thing. Sure, we're in a day and age where we needn't be constrained by geographical positions when it comes to investing, but we're bound to be affected by what happens where we are. And small and open economies like Singapore's are looking like they slow more than others. What does this mean for investors here, Daryl?
0: Yep, that's a fair point, but I also do think that one must be cognizant that sometimes a country's economic performance doesn't always relate to the market performance in the same country. So the Singapore market, for example, uh, Singapore is a small and open economy, right? And it's constantly talked about that we may see headwinds from higher interest rates, higher imported inflation, and perhaps even a slowdown in global trade. But our markets, if you look at the segmentation of the Singapore market, is heavily weighted in banks and financial companies which have strong earnings outlooks simply due to the fact that we are in a higher interest rate environment and this adds to net interest margins. So the correlation isn't always that similar. And I think this means that investors are usually better off looking at company fundamentals and following secular trends, rather than geographical segmentation when they think about asset allocation decisions.
1: So then the question becomes, what should we put our money behind then?
0: If we're just talking about 2023, really I want to reiterate that I think that a dominant theme would be the return of fixed income. Firstly, as a portfolio hedge in a 60-40 portfolio like we've discussed before. Secondly, also as a source of stable income generation because yields on high quality bonds are now at 5% or more which is at levels that we have not seen in at least 10 years. Right, so with interest rates still expected to remain high it does not look like there would be a quick equity valuation re-rating per se. And also, the earnings outlook can be more uncertain and can even see declines if a recession does hit. So if you think about that, investors are likely to prefer the certainty of returns through coupon income generation rather than the uncertainty of capital gains with more risky asset classes. In that sense, I think investors can look to a blend of fixed income strategies. A lot of investors may be familiar now subscribing to MAS bills I think that was all the rage uh, a few months and, and currently as well, you can lock in pretty good yields at 4%. But I don't think that's enough because we also have to complement it with another fixed income strategy. And, and here at DBS, we talk about this liquid plus strategy where we invest in high quality, short duration bonds that are actually yielding you 5% or more and the benefit of these over bills is the fact that you can quickly switch in and out with daily liquidity to take advantage of volatility in the other risky asset markets. So I think that's another strategy, a fixed income strategy that complements having bills in your own portfolio. And I would say that if the recession does hit, as is hotly anticipated by many economists, it actually may present an opportunity to engage in equities in the longer-term themes that we like in tech, e-commerce, cybersecurity, healthcare, etc., that we have in our barbell construct. And given that these are the themes that are most likely going to thrive beyond just the potential downturn that we may see in 2023.
1: Daryl, you mentioned tech. They didn't have a great 2022, though. I mean, the sector's stuck in a downward trend like almost never before. Another comeback kid for 2023, you reckon?
0: So I think tech took a beating because most investors understand tech in terms of very low potential current earnings, but high potential future earnings. So you have strong earnings growth, but it doesn't reflect in the near term and the earnings has to be discounted over a longer time frame, right? So, and because of the fact that you had a very sharp upward adjustment in interest rates, if you just discount cash flows on these uh, high cash flows that are likely to come further into the future, this hits valuations very drastically. But again, we want to be more nuanced, right? So we've always been a bit more cautious on non-profitable tech companies and very rightly so because these are the companies that precisely have their cash flows or anticipated cash flows and earnings so far into the future that to discount them to the present on such high uh, interest rates as in the denominator is going to hit your valuations very sharply. right? What we do like are really big tech, well-entrenched tech companies that have huge cash hoards have high earnings visibility, have strong earnings growth potentials, and you will realize that these are not uh, framed in the traditional understanding of growth and tech in the sense that oh, these are not companies that are going to have cash flows in the future, they have cash flows right now. And in fact, if you think about it, having such a high cash uh, levels, low debt, good earnings visibility, it almost looks as though these big tech companies are almost becoming value companies in fact. So yeah, we do believe these trends are intact, and tech is still here to stay.
1: Ah, so it's the buy value strategy, huh? It went from buy tech to buy growth to buy value, right?
0: Yeah. We've always highlighted a focus on quality. Quality tech. And we've always been more traditional in that sense. We do believe that earnings and cash flows and strong balance sheets, return on capital are all still very important factors, more so than buying the promise of a company to be able to generate a tremendous amount of growth with uh, nothing to show for it in the present. So I think we've always been fans of having more concrete data that we can look at. And so this does mean that big tech will still be very well-favored in this environment. It took a hit, yes, but I think uh, in the longer run, these are still companies that have high visibility of cash flows and still growing at a very fair pace.
1: And what was the lesson from 2022? What shouldn't we do, so to speak, going into 2023,
0: Daryl? We cannot let our biases colour our investing decisions. And I think a lot of the biases that we had coming into this year was the bandwagon effect. A lot of money was made in the stock markets in 2020 and 2021. And so people who were caught out of the action, who were chasing the up market were left buying near the market tops, right? So I think the lesson really is that rather than chase the crowd and looking at what everyone's doing and how much money everyone's making from, you know, cryptocurrency, NFTs and all those risky type of assets, I think it's always best to know what you're investing in, which is why when we look at companies, we still focus on cash flows, focus on their balance sheets, focus on businesses that you can understand so that even if the market does correct, you know that eventually This business is not going away. It is still going to be able to provide for you earnings throughout the cycle. And the whole idea of investing into an instrument like cryptocurrency, for example, where you need another buyer to take it, it does not inherently generate cash flows on its own, away from you at a higher price. If that's your only strategy to make money, then I think it's a little bit one-dimensional. So I, I do believe that investors need to realize the biases that they had coming into 2022, refocus on fundamentals and refocus on quality.
1: All right, we've been discussing the investment outlook for 2023 and fortifying your portfolio with Daryl Ho, Senior Investment Strategist at DVS's Chief Investment Office. Thanks always for your insights, Daryl.
0: Thanks for having me, Howie. It was a pleasure to be here.
1: And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time.
0: That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only.